Hi, I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hi, Dr. Denise. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine and tired. You sound a little tired. You you work a lot. Yeah, we had some programs. You have to get up at the crack of dawn now that COVID is over. <laughs> That's a perfect segue. COVID being over, and I say it in quotation marks because as we've discussed, it never is really going away. But for all intents and purposes, it is somewhat over which means people are, you know, they're stir crazy. They're ready to get out of the house. They're ready to go places. They're ready to do things. But people like myself who are caring for someone with Alzheimer's, how do we make this happen? How do I go away with my mother? Because I want to take her with me. I'm trying to plan a trip myself right now driving, but what do I do? What do I do to make sure that this trip is good for me and good for her? That's a really interesting question. And it's a conundrum, quite frankly, simply because different people respond differently to different kinds of travel. And I think that because you are your mother's day-to-day caregiver, you know what her triggers are. So for some people, a motor trip in a family vehicle is probably preferable to trying to go somewhere on a bus or a plane. Um, And the reason I say that is because in a car, as long as a person can get in and out and tolerate the drive, there aren't really a whole lot of surprises and they can look at the trees, look at the traffic, look at the cars and amuse themselves. That may be restful, but for others that may not be restful. If you've traveled with your mother before in your own personal vehicle, it's good because you can stop when you feel the need to stop. You can have snacks and you can move kind of like as you need to. If you have to stop, you can stop. If she's afraid of something or fearful about something, you can stop, redirect, try to correct and keep moving. I think the challenges of traveling with somebody who's living with dementia come when we're in larger group public settings. So aside from personal vehicle travel, most people are going to get on a plane or try to get on a plane. Now, getting to the airport, getting your tickets and everything may be fine, but your family member with dementia may have a problem with that. Why? They're in a very unfamiliar environment. 
They're around a lot of people and a lot of noise, which may be disorienting to some people or disturbing. I shouldn't say disorienting. I should say disturbing. So if you are going to travel with somebody by plane who's living with dementia and they're able to understand things, try to introduce them to the concept. You know, if you're going to go on the airplane and it's been a while since they traveled by plane, take them to the airport, you know, walk through the airport. Mommy, we have to board. Daddy, we have to board, but we have to go to the airport and we're going to walk through the airport and this is what's going to happen. Try to anticipate what's going to happen so that they're prepared. But with somebody who's living with dementia, even though they may be mobile, it may be preferable and certainly easier for the caregiver to have an airport porter, if you will, transport them from the check-in through the airport to the gate. That's perfect because what I want to quickly inject here is that before my dad passed away, I took both of them, my mom and dad, on a trip, his last trip, to see his sister in Florida. Now I'm in Georgia and I had to prepare, prepare, prepare. And everything that you mentioned just now is what I did. So listeners, it's common sense, but sometimes you may not think of it. I had to get them prepared. I had to obviously pack for them. I had to call ahead to the airlines and prepare two sky caps with two wheelchairs, even though they were both still walking at the time, mm-hmm. but it, it just made it so much easier and, and getting in touch with the, I guess the ticket takers at the gate uh, who let us board early. It's just a lot of things that made everything run a lot more smoothly. So if you're able to prepare, the key is preparation. So do all of that ahead of time and that will make your trip a whole lot easier. And my parents, both of them were less confused. And I think what you did was perfect. But again, because the airport is an unfamiliar place and there are so many strange people there, it is probably better to have an airport transport person take your person through the airport, through the security and get them to the gate. If you happen to be one of those flyers that's a part of a loyalty program where you can wait in the lounge before your flight, that's even better. Um, It's crowded in there, but it allows them to get something to eat and uh, use a restroom and maybe not be hurried along. But if you can prep for the airport, getting them through there, but certainly paying for the transport service to get them through the airport to their gate. And then the other thing is, I know this is difficult for some people, but you know, a lot of us like discount airlines, but standing in line and waiting and things like that may be difficult. But the good thing is most airlines have a special accommodation for people with special needs and handicaps. They do let you board first. If you need a bigger seat, you know, you can pay for an upgrade. You can buy a first class ticket. But I think the challenge for a lot of older people is if they're not mobile, if they are wheelchair dependent, that creates a little bit more of a challenge. And in those instances, it's probably better for you to 
pay the extra fees to put your person in first class so that they are the first on the airplane, first off the airplane, and you can take your time. But uh, travel on the airplane short term gets you where you need to go quicker, but it can be very traumatic for people going through the airport. So prepping, minimizing the exposure, certainly to COVID, I'm going to say wear your masks on a, a plane at this day and time. It's hasn't gotten to the point where we can feel completely relaxed about it, but um, wear your mask. In May, we won't have any protections, if you will, against free testing and vaccinations and all of that. So try to get immunized. But the other thing is try to travel when traffic through the airport and your destination is less likely, which means like in the middle of the day, you know, when crowds are smaller. That that information about um, going to the airport, that's excellent. And um, I'm going to be driving but one thing that I would tell people is if your person experiences sundowners, I suggest you start your trip as early as you can, because I noticed with my mother, even just driving around town sometimes, if it gets too dark or if it starts, if it starts getting dark, she gets very confused. So if you're taking a trip, the earlier in the day, I think, is better for a person with Alzheimer's or dementia. It, it lessens the instance, I should say, of being confused when the sun is going down and when it gets later in the day. And also, I know most caregivers probably do this, but it's very important when you're going out of town to obviously get, get all their medications, make an itinerary keep a list. If you're going to be leaving them with someone, for example, I'm going to go visit family and, but I will go off and leave my mom with, you know, relatives who have taken care of her and she's familiar with them as familiar as she can be. But it's always very important to leave the list of her medications and things she likes to eat and, and try to take as many things with me that keeps things familiar for her. That is that a good idea? I think that's an excellent idea. I think certainly writing down her medications and her medication regimen for whoever her caregivers will be, whether it's your extended family or a paid caregiver at your next destination, and try to write down what their routine is. You know, in geriatric care, and for people who are experiencing problems with their cognition, a routine, a regular routine is important even when they're on vacation. So that routine of getting up and activities should be something that remains in place. Even though you're not in a, you're not at home, what you do should be regimented. I think that's a great idea, but uh, certainly having a supply of the medications that you need, not just for one week, certainly for the duration of your trip, but maybe a few days later. In the event that, for example, if you fly somewhere and a flight is canceled and it's like, oh, I only bought seven days worth of medicine, but your trip's been delayed and you have some overage, try to plan for additional days worth of medication. That's really important for people whose 
who have a history of diabetes. I know people wear these bracelets that say I have diabetes. Same thing can be done for people with dementia, but you're absolutely correct. Write down their medications, write down their routines for the people who are going to be caring for them in your absence, her activities, what she likes to do, her snacks, things like that. Those are things to have available when you travel, whether you're traveling by car or you're traveling on the plane, um, things you know that they're going to eat or drink and make it less likely for her to have problems. Like I know your mother likes Cokes. <laughs> she doesn't need them. She right. loves Cokes. Yes. And so make sure she has a Coke. And um, I like the little mini bot mini cans of Coke. That's just a sip. That's enough. But the other thing is, and you made a good point here with respect to sundowning, try to travel such that that's not one of the parts of her day. But the other part of that is try to make sure she gets a good night's rest the night before. And as much as you like to, it's a little bit easier when you're driving because you have greater flexibility. Same rules apply, though. Travel earlier in the day. Try to get her routine as normal as possible and prep your relative for the trip. We're going here. We're getting up at eight. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. The drive will take 10 hours or five hours or two hours, whatever it will take. And then on the other end, whoever's meeting you or greeting you, make sure that they're aware of what routines you have in place. That's very important. And if you have a standard bedtime that says 8 p.m. and it's 7 p.m. in your time zone, just make sure you get your mother in bed at what is her bedtime, you know, whatever her established time is, and stick to those routines. I think travel will be better that way. Right. You've always said since the beginning of our podcast that a schedule and a regiment is very important, and that should not change when you're on vacation. No, should not. Mother gets her pancake and sausage every day. Let me tell you, I was about to tell our listeners that, you know, aside from packing your outfits, I have to pack the pancakes, the pancake syrup, the sausage, everything and take them with me. It's not such a long drive, so it won't spoil and I'll put a cooler in the car. But if you have to do that and it's not going to spoil and you're able to take it with you or you can buy it when you get to your destination, but to keep their regiment and their schedule, take familiar foods, things that are familiar to them. And I wish our listeners could see Dr. Monica's face because she's like, oh God, she's crazy. You are? <laughs> but I- but I tell you, it has saved me. It has saved me because I've gotten to a relative's house in North Carolina and mom does not know the difference in her surroundings. If she's sitting at that table with her pancakes, her sausage and her decaf coffee, she is oblivious to her surroundings. She doesn't know where she is, but it feels like home. That's funny. That's funny. That is so funny. That's too funny. <laughs> but, I can see her now. <laughs> yes, I know. She's like, where's my stuff? Where's my coffee? This is not hot enough. So I was like, okay, she feels comfortable. So she's complaining. But you also mentioned something else, an ID bracelet. Now I don't have that for my mother, but it might be a good idea 
to get something like that for your loved one. If you're going away, God forbid something happened and they wandered away because they were confused about their environment. At least you have some sort of ID and a way to get in touch with them, right? Right. And you can get, I don't, I'm not sure whether they do it anymore. The Alzheimer's Association has a program where you could get like, uh, I want to call it a bracelet alert. Uh, I can't think of what it is, but it, it involves putting on something like a bracelet and you can put those on there. Alzheimer's Association has also given us little tags to put on a table. Like if you're in a restaurant, my mother has dementia or something like that, but check with the Alzheimer's Foundation of America and the Alzheimer's Association, because they do have recommendations for what we've just discussed, some, some way of letting other people know that the person you're traveling with has some kind of cognitive problem or other issue that makes it difficult for them to travel. That, you know, that's excellent. And I think I may have mentioned this before. I don't have any of these cards, but Years ago, someone made up like business cards that had that on it and it just diffused the situation. I saw, you know, someone like at a, I think it was checking out to buy something and and their person with them was, you know, erratic and people were confused and they just handed them a card and they understood immediately and that sort of diffused the situation. So an ID bracelet, something to put on the table, a little card that you can slip someone, you know, mm -hmm. it's not so obvious, it, it helps. So if you have something like that, that's great. I read, now I don't, don't know about this one. They, I read that it suggested that if you're taking your loved one somewhere it's best to stay in a hotel than with relatives. <laughs> I wonder why they would say that. Oh, well, probably because there's less noise in a hotel than there would be in somebody else's home. And it's unfamiliar. I mean, a hotel room is unfamiliar, but at least in a hotel room, if you're trying to figure out where the bathroom is, it's right there. Right. Okay. If you're in somebody's house, you've got to get up, walk around and try to figure out where it is. But at least if you're in a hotel room, it's probably easier. I don't really know. I haven't, you know, I don't remember that article, but I'm, I mean, that makes sense to me. In somebody's home, there would likely be more people with whom they're unfamiliar and in an environment that's unfamiliar to them. So they all feel strange all around. So some family member walking around the house may be misinterpreted as some kind of burglar or something. That makes sense. And they might be afraid, but uh, for habits, you know, toileting habits, people like to go to the bathroom where they can see it and find it when they have the need. And in someone's home, that may not be as easily done as it would be in a one room motel or hotel room where they can clearly see where the bathroom is. Good point. Now I understand. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And finally, um, you mentioned about contacting the Alzheimer's Association or Foundation of America for help, but for things like uh, bracelets and so forth and so on. But if someone really, really plans and say they're going to Seattle, 
they can call the Alzheimer's Association of Seattle ahead of time mm -hmm. and find out about different programs and things and services for the person in that area if they're going to be there for a length of time. Okay, so on that note, the Alzheimer's Association has a 24-7 helpline and it's a universal number. Doesn't matter what state you're in, you're going to get connected to them. And that number is 1-800-272-3900. 1-800-272-3900. Okay. And you can look at the Alzheimer's Association and call them, tell them what your need is, and they can probably arrange to help you. If you're traveling from state to state, and let's just say you need to identify a home care service to help take care of your relative while you are visiting in a place, that's something that the helpline with them can help you with. Perfect. That's a perfect way to end it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Dr. Monica. I um, feel a lot more prepared for my trip. Um, but, you know, you can keep my mom for me while I go out of town if you'd like Listen to you. You know, I thought about that one day and I would if I was going to be stationary. <laughs> if I was going to be stationary, I would certainly give that a consideration for you. But Thank Cookie you. Monster might not want to stay with me either. She's been <laughs> looking for her daughter. <laughs> Sometimes she doesn't want to stay with me. <laughs> and, I I would, and I would return the favor. I would look after your mom. Well, I think it's wonderful that you have relatives who are willing to do that for you. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I am blessed. Yeah, travel. Yes, I am blessed and fortunate. So listeners, caregivers, fellow caregivers, you need a break. Get out and get away if you can. If you have to take your loved one with you, try not to see it as a burden. Just prepare, prepare. And if you prepare, hopefully, prayerfully, it will run smoothly. Thank you, Dr. Monica. Thank you, Dr. Denise. See you next time. We love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, MPMK at MPMK Podcast, and on Facebook and Instagram. My parents are now my kids. See you next time.